thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. My name's Christopher. My name's Liam. Yeah, that's our names. And this week we're listening to Arcade Fire's album, Funeral, the 500th greatest album of all time. And it's a very funny episode. We talk about indie rock music. We talk about... Uh, what was the name of that band? The Bombay Bicycle Club. My my uh, my nemesis. <laughs> I tell that story. My arch nemesis. Uh, we talk about loads of loads of stuff. Secret Poshos. It's an absolutely uh, thoroughly enjoyable pod. Um, we really hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for downloading this episode one. You are here on the ground floor, baby. And if you like it, please do go on Twitter and go to at Enjoy an Album and give us a cheeky follow. Mm. You can also go on uh, iTunes and, well, I think it's not called iTunes anymore, it's called Apple Podcasts, <laughs> uh, but people call it I iTunes call for it, some I reason. Um, yeah, okay, granddad. Give us a, a um, five-star review. Uh, even if you think it's four stars, five stars. just uh, give it five. Please, please help us. Um, big shout out to Will McKee for the edit and Alex Harwood for the incredible artwork. We're really mm. grateful to them and to you for downloading this, and we really hope you enjoy this episode one. You're listening to Enjoy an Album with Liam Widnow and Christopher McArthur Boyd. I really hope this is a professional pod. So many unprofessional pods out there. And I'm sick just, of them. I fucking hate them. And, Whereas and this it ripped my face off. is slick, yeah. high production, new pod. It's a new pod. From two of the baddest boys in the Scottish comedy circuit. Well, one of them and then another guy. Yeah, we'll let the our humble audience decide which is which in your eyes. Um, so let's introduce ourselves. My name is Liam Withnow. My name is Christopher McArthur Boyd. And hey, what kind of podcast is this, Chris? It's... One of those podcasts where two friends wanted to do a podcast and then they, they were like, let's just do chat, let's just chat. And mm. they tried that and it was shite. And like the world <laughs> just doesn't need another fucking one of those. So we're like, let's do a, something about something we're passionate about. Yep. So we love, we both love music and we thought, let's listen to the 500 greatest albums of all time, according to Rolling Stone magazine, who yep. you may have heard of. Mm, a little magazine called A Rolling Stone. Liam, before we start, do you read that magazine? I'm a subscriber. <laughs> no, you're not. I get it delivered to my door every week. I have done for 10 years. I love um, the Bob Dylan song. Mm-hmm. I love the band, The Rolling Stones. Yeah. I uh, love Avalanches, which Did feature actual Rolling called... Stones. Oh, right. I thought you meant the band. Avalanches. And the band, the Avalanches, and Edinburgh Records Stop Avalanche Records. I love everything no. to do with Rolling Stones. Is it, does Avalanche Records still exist? Um, I think it closed and then reopened briefly, and then a little pandemic happened. Uh, and I'm not sure if it survived that. The uh, the old thumbing through like thousands of records in a record mm. shop, not very pandemic friendly. So I don't know. We'll have to check I up on them. We'll, I think we'll go back to that, but we'll all wear gloves. Nice. Yes. Yeah. You, ha- you have all your record collectors going, oh, smell sick. Just jump in here, put on their little fucking... Like, like driving gloves. gloves. Like driving gloves, but without any of the uh, uh, power. You could get um, 
like bands, smart smart bands mm-hmm. on their merch table, mm-hmm. getting record gloves. Absolutely, record gloves emblazoned with your favorite band. But people are like, hold on, this guy's flicking through fifties and sixties records over here, and he's got a burial fucking glove on. What's what a maverick, on? you know? Yeah, really hopping <laughs> genres. Anyway, well, speaking of hopping genres, that's what we're going to be doing. Okay, we are going to work our way five hundred all the way down to number one uh, in a week 10 years <laughs> <laughs> if you're worried about this going you know i really want to get involved in the podcast but i want to see the journey from beginning to end over the next 10 years it's a decade long project <laughs> it's like a richard Linklater movie you know like boyhood yeah. that's it we're gonna grow things are gonna happen in our lives you know it's like seven up steve the soft drink, drink. Yeah. <laughs> the lemonade <laughs> you know why it's like seven up because it's gonna be quite good refreshing and refreshing. interesting maybe not uh-huh. your first choice but ultimately no. glad you chose it maybe you've already drank a big juice that you're mm. used to and you want something else and that's what seven up's all about so uh who are the rolling stones um to 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 decide on the 500 greatest albums of all time well i've actually got a little bit i just want to clarify it wasn't the rolling stones it was rolling stone (laughs) it was it was mick jagger has sat (laughs) pen in hand uh can you do a mick jagger impression oh yeah (laughs) the answer is no that's fine i can't that was one was it it's it's the it's the john mulaney thing where he's like yeah no yeah 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 okay you're doing a lot of faces, which are actually good, but they're not, not ultimately going to be... Well, um, if you knew anything about doing a Mick Jagger impression... I said Jack Magger. <laughs> if you knew anything about doing a Jack Magger impression... My name's impression, Jack Magger and I've had my identity stolen. Oh, I had semen popped out <laughs> stomach. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the Rolling Stone magazine... Not the Rolling Stone. 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. Uh, it was first made in 2003. But uh, then there's a bit of controversy, wasn't there? What, was there? Do go on. Well, th- th- this is the new list that we're doing. We're doing the new 500. There was yeah. an old list, but mm-hmm. people were like, hold on a minute. Jeff Beck appears in this list 70 times and does like <laughs> three women. <laughs> yeah, okay. So it's it, they've, they've diversified it a lot in the last 17 it, years. They've made it yeah, more diverse Oh, go, go uh, oh, broke. Bloody hell. I just want 500 white men, please. I just want the top 100 to be Bob Dylan albums. <laughs> And then people doing Bob Dylan covers, and then occasionally one of the Beatles, but going, eh, listen, you know, it's a bit modern for me. You know. <laughs> um, it is, uh, it has been put together uh, by asking musicians, industry people, yuck, reviewers, ugh, producers, uh, what their favorite top 50 albums are, and uh, tabulating it from that. So, some of the artists have asked include. Beyonce, U2, Wu-Tang Clan, Stevie Nicks, Run the Jewels, Taylor Swift, Billie Eilish. So a real mix. Um, All the people folks. that matter. Absolutely. Like we are gonna, and we're going to listen to every album, mm. one a week, talk mm. about it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm like, I'm like, I hope I can explore some new stuff. I hope I can relive some memories. I hope I can uh, That's learn it. something about not only me and you, but also... The beauty of music. I've had a a cursory glance at uh, some of the list, and there's a lot of albums I know. There's a lot of bands, musicians I've heard of, but I can't say I've ever gone, 
going to sit and listen to this musician today. Um, so I think it's going to be good fun to like, good mixture of stuff we know, stuff we don't. Maybe maybe we'll come, maybe ten, in 10 years' time we'll finish this project, we'll go, wow, I have new favourite artists and albums mm-hmm. thanks thanks to this podcast. And then we'll move on to Passages New. Yeah, and we'll do the Pitchfork 500 or something. The Pitchfork 500 as opposed to the Rolling Stone 500 would just be like albums of white noise with people reading Sylvia Plath poetry over it in French. But then also like a, a rapper called Lil Cumface. <laughs> Here's a question. Who the fuck are we, two dumb comedians, to be commenting on anyone's music? What 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 musical credentials do we have? Christopher. Listen, I'm not just I'm not just a comedian. Mm. That's one of my many hats that I've wore on my face. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I've worn dozens of hats, dozens of masks. Yep. Uh, I've been a comedian. I've pretended to be a window washer. Not really uh, relevant to the music critique, but go no, on. No, I'm just saying I've lived many lives. Yeah, we don't need to hear your whole you know. CV, though. I'm asking specifically oh, about okay. your um, your musical credentials. Okay. I tried to be a music journalist. And well, you had a, a, a small amount of success, right? Didn't you get stuff you were... Never re- never got paid. Oh. But hey. <laughs> you sound disappointed. Oh, I thought this... No, that just, you were no, 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 no. That just means you never sold out to the man. Exactly. It's punk exactly. rock, baby. You wrote, you, you interviewed um, uh, artists for the, the skinny, right? No, I don't think so. Okay, I've made that up. <laughs> <laughs> I've been interviewed in the skinny. But for comedy, not music. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Listen, I've when I was studying news journalism, I yep. said to myself, I don't want to write the news. I want to be the news. Yeah, and so you went, on a, you went on a killing spree. Yeah, I started murdering dogs in my local park. Uh, no, but you there. interviewed some pretty interesting... Yo, who did you interview? Sharon Van Etten. That's the one I was trying to remember. Who was that for? It's just... I, I, well, so I had a friend called Mikey who I knew from wrestling action figure forums. And uh, <laughs> shut the fuck up. And we used to do a thing... Well, he had a really good uh, uh, wrestling figure federation called Ring of Poison, uh, and I loved that. Basically, that's where you, like, take pictures of your wrestling action figures in, like, different poses, and you make a story out of it. So he was really good at that. Why are you laughing? I'm not laughing. Right, well, I think it's rude. <laughs> if you told me about something for your past, I might to you. Shut the fuck up, it's cool. I didn't know that existed. Uh, it does, it's very, you know, it's good. It sounds it. Anyway, so we made friends like that when we were, like, 14, 13, right? And then... Um, we got a wee bit older and we both into music. He wanted to be a... He is a real journalist now. Um, everybody that I went to school with and, like, uh, you know, college and uni with, they're all fucking journalists. And I'm like, well, I shut myself. Like, no, I get in. No, it's exactly as you said. You are the news. Right, yes. I mean, that's... You know, I could, mm-hmm. Anyway, so he started a blog and he realised if you make your email and your website look legit, people don't know that you're just, like, a teenager. Mm. So we got all these interviews, Los Campesinos, Sharon Van Etten, Gojira, Evil. You just made it up and you and you went and interviewed them and then never published anything. Well, we probably put it on the internet, but we, oh, we on your own. Money. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. No, I love that. That's one of the coolest years of my life. An insight into the in- industry. That's uh, And you've been in bands as well, though, right? Yeah, I played bass in a band when I was a bit younger. And so you have that. some a- actual understanding of how to make music. 
I think if a lot of people listen to the music that we made, they would disagree with you. But <laughs> uh, I, I liked it, you know, and uh, I've just, I love music. It's the, one of the few things that makes being alive worthwhile. That's great. So I'm expecting some spicy hot music journalist, ex-band member critiques of what's your uh, the greatest albums of all time. What's your fucking experience in the music industry Liam, that makes you feel like you can criticise what industry mm. professionals have acclaimed as the best albums of all time and you think that they do or don't deserve to be that? Where, 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 where do you come from? So, I'm very glad you asked. I uh, listen to music mm. regularly. Professionally? You've been paid to do that? Or... You know. Have what? you been... Have you ever like? Uh, I actually worked? have you ever grafted that like uh, articulating your opinion? You know something? what? I know. I know you're saying this with a little smirk on your face because I know, uh, you, I think, just you think I haven't. But it, it, it may surprise you to know that uh, when I was 18 years old, I did two weeks work experience at London radio station XFM, and uh, for one of those weeks, I went out and reviewed gigs professionally. For the radio station. From what I know about the early part of your life, mm. did you go to the gigs and get absolutely steaming? 100%. And, <laughs> and then forget everything the next day. Uh, that's exactly what happened. And also one day, and I did this for five nights, and each night I was a guest on the Alex Zane Breakfast Show to <laughs> review the gig from the night before. And that's amazing. One of, it was amazing. Um, and... and <laughs> One of those days, I um, slept in because I stayed out so late, getting so fucked up. Fucking idiot. What? Yeah, that's life. Yeah, absolutely. Shat, what a, a glorious opportunity. Um, <laughs> we, we, this we, is your chance to redeem yourself, you know? That's it. This has been what the last 12 years have really been about, just building up to this moment. You've sobered uh, up. If Alex Zane fucking phones you up tomorrow saying, listen, and all of the differences over the last 20 years, whatever. <laughs> he's a very nice man very nice man him and he's pete nice. him and pete donaldson uh used to is that, his name's actually pronounced pete doherty yeah um so uh, but that is my background look but we we chat about music a lot you know i like to uh keep on top of the trends you know to listen to a, well a certain type of trend you know you probably will listen to about three new bands a year so no like, come on really I, listen to, I love new music okay but it is a very Okay. <laughs> we talk we, we talk about bands all the time. I don't know if we do. I can't believe I guess, I'm hearing this from you. No, you, yeah, you, yeah. It would be a good podcast, anyway. <laughs> um, so that this is um, Enjoy this is an Album. This number one. This is Enjoy an Album, episode one. Yeah. Who's, who's first? The first album of the 500, which we will do in sequential order, maybe, is... Arcade Fire's... Funeral. So the Rolling Stone introduced Arcade Fire's funeral like this. Loss, love, forced coming of age, and fragile generational hope. Arcade Fire's debut touched on all these themes as it defined the independent rock of the noughties. Built on family ties, leader Wynn Butler, his rifle Regine Chassain, and his brother Will, the Montreal band made symphonic rock that truly rocked, simultaneously outsized and deeply personal, like the best pop. But for all its sad realism, Butler's is music that still finds solace and purpose in communal celebration. We've got ourselves a French-Canadian quintet here. I don't know. You Are they French-Canadian? 
Wells. Is Wynn them. Butler a French Canadian? He's from all over the place. We'll get to yeah. that later. Okay. 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 Regine um, Chassange. Chassange uh, certainly is. Uh, she's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that surprised me there. Yeah, you're closing the title. Um, but that's where they made their name, right? Was Montreal. Yep. And Regine and Wynn married. <laughs> what? When they were like 20? What? What do you mean? When did I thought they got married like three albums in? Oh, I've no idea. But they they were a couple, right? Is right. the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're back. I thought they were a married couple then anyway, but maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. No, they are. They are. No. Maybe they are um, as well. Wins Butler. Wins Butler. Wins Brother. <laughs> it's also in the band. So is his Butler's Butler. brother, Butler. Is his Butler's Butler. in the band. Um, yeah. His farmer is also in the band. <laughs> his uh, his driver and uh, and his, his, <laughs> his chef. No, it is a big band. You've got a big band feel. You like uh, a big band? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like do. it when there's like nine cunts. Oh man, when like a bands like Beirut or um, Broken Social Scene. See when you see them live, and there's like fifteen of them on the fucking stage, man. That's too many. And it, well, it depends on the stage. I like single phallic figures, but a high single figure. So nine. Slipknot. Right. I like Slipknot. Slipknot, well, perfect example singles. of a big band. You know, you you really get that big band orchestral vibe from Slipknot. <laughs> You're saying that as if they don't have a cunt who plays the bin. I the bin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you never heard the guy in Slipknot playing the bin? No, you're right. I have. I just hadn't thought about the old bin He's playing got Slipknot a bin player for a while. And a, a baseball bat, and every song they write, they have to put a bin bit in. <laughs> they go like, dun, 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 and then you go. I just like the idea of one of them just like clicking his fingers like a smooth jazz player. Like, oh yeah, add me that garbage can, baby. That's they wouldn't call bin. it a bin, would they? That's a good bin. Trash can. Trash um, can. So I first heard this album. I actually, my first uh, time hearing Arcade Fire was actually when Neon Bible came out, the second album. The idea for me is somebody getting into Arcade Fire through Neon Bible. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I would like that band, you know? Really, Neon Bible was a, a a pretty well received record, though. It's a little bit um, it's 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 different to Funeral because Neon Bible is a bit more like they've got the money from Funeral on the claims. It's a bit more um, slickly produced. It's a classic case of the old uh, Kaiser Chief syndrome for me, where the first record is an absolute bang city zanger, and then the second record it's like, well, we've had our whole lives to think up the first one, and now we've had. A year and a half to think up the second one. And I think yeah, a, I can see in your face. I'm comparing Arcade Fire to the Kaiser Chiefs. I think that's a little. I think it's a little bit unfair because um, to who? To Arcade Fire because Neon Bible oh. still. I think it's still a pretty, a, a very good record. Um, I think and, there's like three good songs on it. Anyway, uh, we're talking about funeral. Well, well, but that's how I came to it, right? So um, it is. They're different records. Neon Bible was a bit more. Uh, I would say like accessible than funeral, right? This oh, is how hey. so my my young Play-Doh brain could easily get into Neon Bible, and then I first heard Funeral, and I wasn't that into it straight away. You know, when mm. the first thing that you hear of a band sometimes is like, not only do you enjoy the record, right, but it's attached to like the memory of discovering them. So yeah. anything, it always has like a special place. So yeah. at first, Funeral, I wasn't that into, it, especially because like the first half of the album is is kind of it's like soft like it's not as like these like um okay fire's got a lot of like sing-along like chanty that stuff yeah which the first half of the album doesn't really have so i was like i don't know if i'm into this 
but now I would listen to Funeral over Neon Bible, I would say, nine times out of ten. 600%. You're a big uh, Arcade Fire guy. You know, you like this band a lot. Yes, Top ten bands? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I don't know if I would ever say, someone said top ten bands. Mate, I don't know if I would immediately say Arcade Fire, you know. Well, they're but, a bit, it's a bit cringe now, isn't it? I have seen them, I think four times, mm-hmm. maybe five. Um, I have Funeral, I can show you, on vinyl. There it is. Vinyl, yeah. It's kind of a CD record, but it also works on vinyl because it is split right down the middle. Perfect. Yeah, yeah 100%. It definitely has, it's like that two-half thing. Like the, f- the first half of the album is, like I said, this kind of like soft, like slow, like introduction to each song. At the end of like, a lot of songs, a lot of songs, they don't really pick up until the last 30 seconds. And there'll mm-hmm. be lots of this. And then the last 30 seconds, I go. And you're like, oh, here's the song. And then it's like, no, nah, we're off. Next song. Yeah. Um, really? And then the second half has a lot more of these like crowd pleasing, you know, wake up, rebellion, mm-hmm. join in if you know the words, sway your arms kind of stuff. I think that's kind of why uh, it's a bit... The reason, you, obviously, you love this band, but you wouldn't say it's your top 10 if someone was like... I think it's because the last album especially was so shite mm. that they've stopped being cool to like. Yeah, so the last album, um, Everything Now, um, mm-hmm. I actually think this is true of a lot of their albums, actually. Like, it has, I think, two great songs on it. I think uh, it'll be an amazing greatest hits band. That's exactly it. So I went to see them on the Everything Now tour. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they did their three best songs from each album. And it was a fucking incredible show. I would like to see that show, yeah. It was really good. But you're right. The last album, there was a did lot of Did you hear the thing Bruce Springsteen there. said to them? No. I think when Butler was fucking moaning a Bruce, <laughs> I'd imagine he just escaped him or something. FaceTime the old boss. And he was like, Oh, this last album, everybody thinks it's shite because we're doing like electro dub with like trumpets about how the internet's shite. And I think Bruce, maybe it was a phone call because then he could have rolled his eyes while he responded, but he was like, here's the thing, right? We all put out a couple of shiters, but what you've got, this is paraphrasing. (laughs) (laughs) What you've got to remember is you can go to Europe and you can play Portugal and you can play your greatest hits with like one or two of your new songs and the people of Europe are going to love you forever. All right, you might be fucking playing a couple of half-empty stadiums in America, but when you get cool again, they'll fill up and Europe will have never went away. I think that's quite beautiful. Yeah, they're definitely, they've now become that, like, um, three, three great songs per album. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that that's so all. So some of the times I've seen them, actually, there's quite a few stories of times I went to see them. Um, when I went to see them at Ali Pali, um, it was one of my first gigs going to without like a parent or a brother uh-huh. or a chaperone, just me and the boys, you know what I mean? Oh, all, good. All getting a couple of beers couple of before lads. and going out and Going to see critically and... acclaimed indie rock music. Yeah. Oh, go on then, you slag. So I was stood there and um, this guy next to me, you know, uh, it was in between the support and, and 
RK5 coming out. Who was supporting? Do you remember? I can't remember. I, you know, I was ignorant at that point and didn't didn't care then. Now I always go see the support, but then I was. I like, was obsessed with the support first couple. This I went is to why you're Megadeth a music journal when I'm a 2007. Piece of shit. I went um, to see Megadeth 2007. They had Priestess supporting mm. them first, so that was the first band I got to see really because they were supporting them. And uh, they did a drum solo in the support slot. And at the time, I was like, yeah, I guess all support bands have like a six-minute drum solo. Now I realize, like, the guitarist, either they were super shy and didn't have enough songs, or the guitarist's guitar broke and he was like, fucking fill time. I need to find out which one it was. <laughs> well, I, um, I, I didn't care, right? I was probably going, going to the bar to get some bloody bevies for the boys. Yeah. Uh, and so I stood waiting for him to come out and this guy next to me mm. turned to me out of nowhere, plums in your mouth, posh boy accent and oh. goes, so uh, what's your favorite Arcade Fire song? <laughs> and the way he said it, it was exactly yeah. like that. Like, I'm going to judge you on your answer. Yeah. Or oh, one of the singles. Okay. Now, remember at this point, I was more a neon Bible boy than a funeral oh, boy. Christ, the stress. Of responding to that cunt. I was 18 years old. Never been yeah. put on the spot like this by someone before. Oh, 100%. So I think I said, oh, you know, I, I love No Cars Go. It's a great song. Come on, Liam. It's a, a great song anyway. It is a beautiful song. But I was like this, oh, come on, that was a big hit. That was a big hit. It wasn't a big hit. It was never released as a single. Was it not? I don't believe so. Maybe I'll be I wrong. think it was, but I Either way, I don't think it had been at that point, maybe. I had a I, music video, I'm sure. Well, perhaps, right? you probably but, seen it on NME channel. Regardless, who is this guy <laughs> to come up and start quizzing me on what my favourite Arcade Fire songs, but it gets worse. He goes, Phew. and then you know what he said, which now I look back on and I go, I should have been going, Phew. he said, yeah, mine's probably uh, Rebellion Lies, you know? Ooh. Which is their big, that's what they end most of their uh, concerts That's the big on. hit. That's the big hit. That's their, you know, it's on this album. And it's an incredible song, sure. Mm -hmm. But it has that uh, refrain that... Uh, 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 and then... Uh, which everyone sings on the way out of the gig. You'll have thousands of people going... Right? So that's like the cheesiest one to pick. Yeah. I didn't know no, that. No, your pick was a lot cooler than his. I'll, I'll say that. I felt embarrassed, though. Right? For him? No, for me. Oh. I wasn't the I was, I wasn't the bold, beautiful, confident man you see before you now, Christopher. Okay, none of us were. I was, uh, you know, he had asserted his authority over me. Okay, one hundred. It was the plums in his mouth that you know really made him seem absolutely right. So then he goes on. You're a chimney sweep going up to the man of the manor. I mean, Alexandra Palace. I've never been in the palace before. <laughs> yeah, I've got soot on there. my face. Yeah. You get one of those big Abraham Lincoln hats on. I had to go in through a separate door, right? <laughs> he looks at me and he goes, so uh, who else do you like? Have you ever ever, oh. listened, ever listened to any uh, any Bjork? Mm. And I was like, yeah, I like Bjork. And he went, yeah. <laughs> it's pronounced Bjork. Is it? You know, I still don't know, right? <laughs> I think this guy was like, uh, maybe some kind of happy trigger TV. And here's the final... Trigger is, happy TV? Happy a, trigger. He was tri yeah, it was Dom Jolly. Uh, <laughs> was he like obese with a big phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he went, what about uh, Bombay Bicycle Club? You ever heard of them? Fuck. 
like this guy. And at this point, I was now pissed off, right? Yeah. And you know, I wasn't an assertive, brave young man, all right? But I've had, that, be, uh... I've had a couple of pints, you know what I mean? So I just want rid of this guy. So I went, uh, yeah, I think they're fucking shit, actually. <laughs> did you? I did. Whoa. Right? And then guess what happened? You won't believe this. He went, he... really? And then he pulled someone over and he went, ah. this is, said their name. Uh-huh. He's the guitarist for Bombay Bicycle Club. <laughs> this guy's just said he thinks your band is fucking shit. Yeah. And well, I don't know. That's not your fault. Well, exactly. So did I B- just went. Did BBC get upset? He looked a bit confused about the situation, but went. As he uh, should have been. And he went, uh, all right, fuck you. And then turned away. And then I went, yeah. fuck you, man, and turned off, okay? And Fuck. I vowed then, even though it was, wasn't really anything to do with the guy who was in mm-hmm. Bombay Bicycle Club, I vowed then I will never in my life <laughs> listen to a Bombay Bicycle Club record yeah. for as long as I live. And then all throughout university, I'd hear people, go listen to Bombay Bicycle Club. I think you'd like them, all right? And I the fucking shit. <laughs> no, I will not listen to them. That's so fucking cool. That's like the intro to a Michael Cera film. <laughs> Nick and Nora's Infinite Versus the World Or whatever the fuck Yeah and then you know What happened a few years later um, When uh, I got Spotify Premium And they started mm-hmm. doing that Your Daily Mix And I would listen to that All the time And it's It's pretty good algorithm For uh, mm-hmm. choosing You know uh, What songs you might like it's... And there would be a song That would come on Every now and then And I was like I fucking love this song You know It was just in my head And then one mm-hmm. day I looked Bombay you know, it's Bombay Basketball Club. Do you think the algorithm's so good that it's tracked who you've shared crowds with? Yeah, that's it. And it's like, listen that's to that. them. <laughs> <laughs> that, the guy, he, he worked for Spotify. This is his long uh-huh. game. He fucking, he did me over. Um, but anyway, for that, that's another reason that I think that I, I, this album, for me, is like a special place in my head because it's one of the first live gigs with the boys, which... The boys, yeah. Big moment, you know. This is me. No, I'm I'm an adult now. You know what I mean? When you start listening to music, when you're from 16 onwards, where you're like, oh, this is who I listen to as a grown up. You know, I'm an intellectual. Uh, they were kind of that for me. I just never got the chance to go and see them. Mm. You know, I never had that chance. Uh, they probably played Glasgow a couple of times, but uh, I liked this album a lot when I was younger. It was one of those albums where it was like, oh, I'm going to start reading Pitchfork and. You know, and they were one of the biggest, best new musics and one of the albums of the decade. And this, yeah, it's very, uh, you know, it was never one of my favorite bands, but uh, one of my favorite albums, I think, was this one. When I was about 16, 17, I was like, certainly for people of me and your kind of age range and um, proclivities, certainly it's an important band. You mean... White guys with beards. Uh, well, it's very kind of you to call this a beard. You've got beard um, energy, though. Yeah, I've got beard. Even when I'm like, my face is like a baby's elbow. It is absolute fodder for, I guess, yeah, the millennial white guy with beards. Mm-hmm. This is perfect. This is like almost pinnacle of it. You know what I mean? I think the couple of years before this, every big indie rock album, it had that kind of pavementy slacker we're not really trying too hard type mm-hmm. deal. And then this came through and it was like, there's fucking nine of us. Some of us are playing the violin. 
Yeah. My brother literally just has a big fucking drum and he's ginger and he's slapping fuck out this drum. And like, I'm screaming about how, please don't let your, don't be hardened by cynicism. Don't let your heart dry up. Please yeah. just feel things with your heart. And it was, you know, a couple of years after 9-11, it's kind of cool in a different way to like your early noughties, like strokes and, and shit as well. As, as it's well. completely different. Obviously, they're related in, you know, some ways, but the strokes is like, hey, I'm wearing a leather jacket. Mm. I'm fucking smoking fags and getting steaming and nothing matters. Fucking hell. Like, that. I mean, I think they were also kind of around that 9-11 energy that New York is the coolest place in the world and we don't care if you fly a plane into a building, we are still going to smoke loads of snout <laughs> and we're still going to wear like nine jackets at once. You know, whereas this was like a couple of years after 9-11, mm. it was like, fuck, we're in the middle of this horrific war that is totally illegal and there's no reason for it. The soul of the country's died. How can we preserve the thing that we had in our childhood that kept us, uh, you know, pure? Can we go back to that? Yeah. So I think, I mean, I don't know if that's why I liked it, but... <laughs> <laughs> when you were a fucking 13-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering that, yeah. I think I like the guitars, probably. <laughs> But like I didn't know, but it's very interesting because now, like obviously in the preparation for this, I've listened to the album probably like ten or fifteen times, right? And like really thought about, you know, the lyrics of it. But at the time I wasn't, you know, I wasn't eighteen years old listening to this going, Ah, oh, yeah, what does this mean? What does this mean? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it, but so it stands on its own just as like a uh, uh, the, the 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 feeling in the that comes out of the just the music beyond the fucking yeah. lyricism because this what here's something I don't know if we if we're ready well yeah we'll talk about anything you don't like about the record and and for me I'm not crazy about Wim Butler's voice or his vocal style to be honest really well the thing is is that there's a lot what I was just saying about not really focusing on the lyrics when I was younger, I, I still find it quite difficult for some songs because he obviously sings through a megaphone on a lot of the s- tracks, right? And he's got his... Wife. I don't think he was in the studio. Oh, there's some that he's definitely... Well, at least he's away from the mic. Going, Alexandra! Uh, how about brother? And yeah, it's like, that's, yeah, that's the kind of post-punk gang vocals, you know? Yeah, and obviously it does add like a certain like mood to it, but sometimes like so it's only in the last track, right? Which I actually really love, and I think um, like is kind of underrated arcade fire song, the the in the back seat, where when she sings, and then you get or you know, there's later albums where where you know. She's the lead vocalist on some songs. And when you hear the sound of Arcade Fire with her actually nice, beautiful singing voice over it, a lot of those songs are my favourite tracks of Arcade Fires, uh, where mm. you can actually soak up what is being said rather than him just shouting shouting his mad poetry from fucking five feet away from the microphone. Well, it's the David Byrne thing, isn't it? You know, you're shouting poems. Yeah, it's, like, it's not a bad thing. Like, I, you know, I, as a, I've seen them four times, you know? I like There's them. not a lot of cringy lyrics, really. Mm. It's quite good. Yeah. I, mean, I, know, I know he was like a slam poet, apparently, uh, at school. Yeah. He was on that big uh, slam poetry scholarship that we all dream about again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. 
I think if you asked someone 20 years ago or in 2005 when this came out and everybody was excited, like, in 15 years, Rolling Stone is going to do the top 500 albums and this will be 500. They'd be like, only 500? Yeah. And I think it's uh, not just the fact that, you know, some of their later albums were a bit shite. I think it's the fact that they inspired so many other bands who were shite, like Mumford & Sons or imagine dragons or of monsters and men it's these indie yeah. rock bands who do the whole whoa oh yeah. we're at a festival whoa oh and the whole crowd and like how many of those fucking absolute shaters came along afterwards it's a yeah. wee bit like how never mind by nirvana is a great album but nirvana gave birth to all these bands like Nickelback and yeah. Creed, these post-grunge monstrosities where they had the exact same formula as Nirvana but with none of the fucking thought behind it. I'm, I'm, I'm 31, you're like nearly 30 or 27 or something, right? So there, there's people around that age who are in, just starting bands that aren't no going to be relevant. Man. No way. All the bands who are listening to this band, they've been already. You don't start a band when you're 27, man. You know, you start a band when you're 18. <laughs> Oh, but you don't think that there's... We some... would have been in the bands if we were in ba- if we were in bands who were, like, trying to be in the rock bands. Like, I remember all the... Like, the Maccabees, they were fucking jacking these guys off hard, man. You ever seen the Maccabees? Yeah. Oh, I seen them on the NME tour. They, they, they were just trying to be Arcade Fire, and it was gross. And the guy was a good-looking boy, but yeah, he had yeah. no ideas, man. They had some all right tunes, the Maccabees. That's a bit of a... yeah. Arcade Fire songs are quite good, but when you just copy them fucking wholesale, like you're working in Costco, Jesus Christ, man. I wonder if time will be um, kinder to them is, is what I'm trying to say, that if in, uh, you know, a couple of years more time, they will they will climb up the ladder because um, there's a lot on this whole 500 list, you know, the, the newer albums are going to be nearer the bottom because their cultural relevance, you know, still can't really be felt until 20, 30 years after the thing to see how truly long lasting and, and affecting it is, right? Well, I mean, you know, I also think they would be, the, I think when you write a list, you want to put, and it's say the top 500, you want to put the 500th one to make people go, oh, that's a good album. And then yeah. they're like, oh, if that's 500, the rest must be fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think they deserve to be a wee bit further up the list. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were put there for sick, twisted reasons like that. <laughs> so, no. Liam, mm. how does this... Liam, how does this album make you feel? <laughs> you said it like um, like Dr. Melfi in, uh, <laughs> in The Sopranos. I can be a Dr. Melfi or I can be the, the birds in your pool, you know? Yeah, uh, says someone who's only seen episode one of The Sopranos. Is that right? I've seen the first six episodes and then <laughs> one of the later ones where he's like in a dream and Steve Buscemi is working in a hotel. And I was like, how did it go for killing cunts outside the pizza place to fucking, I mean, Steve Buscemi's dream hotel? Oh, Fuck beautifully. It's great. Uh, nah, it's, it's good. You know what? I listen When I listen to this album, I, I get like... Uh, this pure like nostalgicness that you get when you listen to albums from like when you're a teenager, but that's mm-hmm. weird, right? Because actually, the album that I listened to more at the time, like I said, was Neon Bible, right? Which I don't really listen to anymore. But this mm-hmm. one it makes me think of like of of just growing up and leaving home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it has that kind of thing. The uh, 
it, it shares something with the first couple of Bell and Sebastian albums, which is this kind of, uh, when they were writing it, I think they kind of reverted to, to some kind of perpetual adolescence, where all this, even though they were in their 20s, uh, coming out of art school, when they wrote it, all the songs are like, uh, oh, my mum walking in on us, kissing in her bedroom. Yeah. It's a subtle comment. stuff about kids, and it, it's about being young, so it makes sense. Yeah, it's like a coming-of-age album. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like um, Catcher in the Rye, you know what I mean? It's that kind of like, I'm a young person uh, moving out of my little town for the first time, going to the big city, right? Mm-hmm. But there's four songs called Neighbourhood. Yeah. And then there's, they've got like subtitles and brackets, but like, it's pretty much... Do you like it when bands do shit like that? I love it. I'm such a sucker for stuff like that. I love fucking Bonnevar having all like emojis in his fucking song <laughs> names and stuff like that. I'm a total idiot and I know it's stupid, but I'm like, ah, that's good. Oh, what is, I, I is like it lower ca- lowercase? <laughs> mm. I like lowercases. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I really, really like when you look at a track list and it kind of tells you a story just through the words. Well, and it does do that. So you've got Neighbourhood, 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 Neighbourhood. And then later on in the album, on that sort of second half that we spoke about, you've got Rebellion and Mm -hmm. Wake Up, which is like, it's quite obviously like, well, this is is the big change, right? Yeah. So for me, I think the reason I I think of all that is like, you know, I I, I grew up like a lot of people. It's like, it's a very like uh, common, you know, young person feeling of like, I've got to get out of this town sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then actually growing up and then doing it. And then the last track, In the Back Seat, like that's a song, like you can't sing a song about a car and put it on, or being in a car, and put it mm. on the end of a record without it having this feeling of like, I'm on this journey now. Do you know what I mean? I'm finally leaving. Or at least that's, yeah. I, and I only really realised that I even had those thoughts about this record when listening to it back over the last few days. But, mm-hmm. but it certainly does always remind me of that time of being younger and like, you know, first going to see my own kind of like grown up rock bands and then finally, you know, leaving, leaving Dagenham and moving up to Scotland. Well, that, in the back seat, I was reading an interview with Regine Sochange. Regine Sochange. And uh, I wish I hadn't done that now what I'm about to say, but it was about her. I think her mum died. <laughs> um, and it was like her realising that she'd spent her whole life in the back seat of the car that her mum was driving. And now having to get into the front seat and drive it and realising that she'd learned from my mum the whole time. And wow. I guess that's what you're talking about. It's about leaving the back seat and going yeah. to the front seat. Yeah. Wow. There you go. I'm a big fan of this album. I've really enjoyed listening to it intensely over the last few days. Yeah. Um, and I will likely listen to it for many, many years to come. I've got a hot take. Oh, mate, I'm expecting it's... some... High music journalistic insider knowledge spiciness. This is like when you go to the supermarket and you're looking at the ready meal curries, right? And you see the little chili meter. You know, you got your korma, one. You got your butter chicken, two. You got, uh, I, don't, I don't get the spicy ones, I don't know what they're called, but three. Mm. This would have, this is so spicy a take that it's actually went off the meter. They don't sell it at the supermarket. They don't sell it. Not enough people can handle it. Yeah. You need to go to like an Asian supermarket to get all yeah. this fucking yeah. nonsense. And if you try and buy it, they'll look at you and they'll go, you sure you want this? Stop can you it. handle the heat? It's like uh, that type of noodles you can get at Asian supermarkets where there's a duck on the pot and it's crying and there's like fire <laughs> coming out its mouth. Let's You're hear it. freak the fuck out when you hear <laughs> this. 
I feel that Funeral by Arcade Fire is about the story of being a COVID denier. <laughs> right? Let's start with the title. Funeral. Yeah. Okay. We haven't been, I mean, all the people, and this isn't a funeral for the people who've died of COVID. This is for the people who've died because of the lockdown. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you've seen the, I mean, this isn't my opinion. This is Wynn Butler's opinion. Yeah. This is, you know, who, who's going to kill more people? The virus or the lockdown? I keep saying graffiti saying that around yeah. about. And that's so right. And, and hey, uh, what, what word is also in the word funeral? Um, fun. Something that we're no longer allowed. Yeah. Is that a coincidence? Real? Yeah. Something that it isn't. Thank you. <laughs> right. So the first track is about digging tunnels from my window to yours. Yeah. Something that is particularly necessary due to the pandemic lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Our skin gets thicker from living out in the snow. Another lyric from that first track. Yeah. Now, to me, that is a metaphor for the fact that if we were allowed to just go out and breathe in this virus, we would actually survive it. But because we're being namby pambied by the nanny state, yeah, we're gonna, you know, there's gonna be problems. Track two, Leica. Uh, one of my favorite. Yeah, I'm not talking about the theory just now. One of my favorite songs. I really like the metaphor of uh, your brother leaving the family to be like the, you know, the dog that the Russians shot into space. Yeah, uh, and that's a song from the point of view of the family, this guy's family, because all his family, they're the sheep, and they believe everything they read in the newspaper. And on yeah. the they watch the uh, they watch the, the the big British uh, big British corporation of liars. Yeah, BBC. Exactly. Uh, track three, Un Honne Sans Lumière. It's French, and I don't know what the fuck's going on, right? Track four, Power Out. <laughs> And this is kind of sarcastic. This is the COVID denier going, oh, you think this is the end of the world? You think this fake pandemic's the end of the world? What if the national grid collapsed and the yeah. power was out? That's a real problem, right? Also, there's uh, stuff, 5G, man. Got that mm-hmm. 5G power coming through, infecting our brains through microwave signals. Speaking of 5G, track Ooh. five, <gasps> neighborhood four, seven kettles. Uh, time keeps keep, this is a lyric from Seven Kettles time keeps creeping through the neighbourhood killing old folks whoa w- yeah waking up babies time killed them yeah not COVID it was time alright that's killing all these old people they were gonna wow. die anyway what the fuck yeah this is a spicy ass take man track six crown of love this is uh, where this tragic story of the hero in this tale the COVID denier, this is where he, this is his kind of low point. And if you've got any kind of knowledge of script writing, you'll know, put the low point right in the middle of the two. And they yeah. have done that. Crown of Love, this is the guy falling out with his partner. She's like, oh, I can't go out with you anymore. You're a COVID denier. Can't you just be normal like everybody else? He's like, please don't leave. I still love you. The yeah. Crown of Love has fallen from me. And then track seven. Mate, I can is... see it. I'm, it's written down and I'm looking at it and I can see the title and my eyes are opened. Wake up. Wake the fuck up. <laughs> We're just a million little gods. Uh, just a million little gods. Rainstorms turning every good thing to dust. And isn't that what the government's done? Hasn't mm. the government been these a million little gods taking these rainstorms and destroying our lives? Yep. Track eight, 
Haiti, again, it's all in French. I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> Track nine, Rebellion, and this. Well, take a look at this title. This is the, the QAnon version of this yeah. story. Like, this is the secret messaging being sent to us. You thought that this was a story about your childhood? This is a story about what's happening right fucking now. Mm. To all the good, good British people. Yeah. Right? Rebellion, lies. People say that you'll die faster than without water. But we know that's just a lie. Scare your son, scare your daughter. I mean, Jesus Christ, this is for all the COVID idiots out there, all right? And this is the bit in the story where finally the people are standing up against the pandemic, mm. right? Come on, hide your lovers underneath the covers. That is what you would do if one of your, your neighbours ratted on you to the Gestapo, all right? Yeah. The, the, the woke Stasi. The woke Stasi police or whatever, <laughs> you know? The police are at your door because you're shagging someone because it's just illegal to love these days. Someone's in your bubble and they're not supposed to be in your exactly. bubble. So that was the kind of true climax. That was the kind of denouement mm. of the tale. Uh, track 10, in the back seat. The people have rose up uh, and they've fought for what's right. Yeah. And we've got rid of the lockdown. Mm. We're not being told the lies anymore. Yeah. Uh, an arcade fireman. He doesn't have to fucking drive. He doesn't have to drive anymore. Now he just sits in the back seat. What do you think? I think you know, and we need to rethink the last track number ten. You know, yeah. In, Maybe in that the... can just be like something else. Agreed. <laughs> now I'm on board. <laughs> That's what nah, you said. <laughs> there you go. That's it. But well, do you think maybe it's an album about uh, COVID deniers? How could I argue with such faultless evidence? Now we will look at everything, all art through the lens of what does it say about COVID, you know, and I think that'll be, that'll be a big one. We're now going to move on to a feature that I came up with whilst yeah. researching the band for this, uh-huh. uh, which may be a recurring feature, I suspect, uh, and it's called Are They Secret Poshos? Love it. So in researching this band, mm-hmm. I found out a little thing or two about the, the, the lead musicians. Right. That's led me to the shocking discovery mm-hmm. that they are, in fact, the elite of the elite, man. The one percent right. so themselves. I'll 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 break the fourth wall here. Mm. Whatever. It, oh, there's no walls in a podcast. I'll break the third Zoom mm. window, and I'll say you messaged me about this yes. on an app called WhatsApp, mm-hmm. and. I screamed laughing in my kitchen because in what fucking world is there a band called Arcade Fire, an art school band from Montreal? The lead singer's name's Wynn Butler mm-hmm. and his white Haitian girlfriend, Regine Chachange. Mm. And they have a nine-piece band with some cunts playing the accordion and there's five different violinists on the album. And the basic theme of the album is, hey, let's stop worrying and getting crushed by other Let's just revert back to when we were kids and nothing mattered. Yeah. And you think that this is surprising? That this well, is a, yeah, I mean, a look, rich boy band? I'd never really thought about it, right? Here's the thing. I'm good at, I'm good at noticing posh, poshness, eliteness 
in the UK. Some guy comes up to you in the alley pally with a mouthful of plums straight away. You're like, this guy's a wank. Absolutely. But, but I, then, don't know, uh, I don't know When what... Butler comes up to you with his haircut, the fucking... Uh, yeah, but he's a musician. Haircut. His name's Wynn. I don't know. Maybe it's a traditional... Yeah, his name's Wynn. Yeah, but... You know, I mean, a down the fucking Listen, pub. I, I, well, it's a different country. I don't know what is posh in Canada or America. I've never, I've never been. I have now, but I have... You have been to Canada more than me and I've been once. Listen, I, I wasn't aware of quite the scale, right? Wait until you hear this. Right. Wynn Butler, full name, Edwin Farnham Butler the Third. Shit. Who's even called the third in this mm. century? Royalty. His mum was a classical jazz musician, mm-hmm. and his dad is a geologist who works for Halliburton, the big evil oil cunts. Yeah. <laughs> This is what I mean. I'm not saying, oh, they're a bit middle class and they're a bit no, fucking twee. Yeah. I'm talking about they're the fucking top of the top, right? He went, money, to, he went to Exeter Academy, right, which is one of the most prestigious boarding schools in the whole of the USA, one of the oldest. This is how prestigious this boarding school is. On Wikipedia, mm-hmm. first off, it, it has a Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah. My secondary school doesn't, right? Sometimes you go on secondary school Wikipedia pages and uh, it has like a, a, a its own little section for notable alumni, okay? Uh-huh. Exeter Academy, the alumni has its own Wikipedia page. Yeah, okay. That's sure. how long it is. And it mm-hmm. features, this is the school Edwin Farnham Butler III went to. Mm-hmm. It's also the school of Mark Zuckerberg, right. Gore Vidal. Right, Dan- I don't know who that is. Do you know Gore Vidal? He said that in the tweet. He went to school with Gore Vidal, and I was like, oh, well, that's saying something. But I don't know who. Who's Gore Vidal? Well, he was a, a politician uh, like back in the 50s. He ran for the Democratic... Al Gore Vidal? No. Uh, he ran for the Democratic... <laughs> um, unsuccessfully ran for the Democratic nomination a couple of times, but he's also like a, a kind of loud theorist. Um, really? What? You don't know your 1950s political theorists? <laughs> Come on, fucking hell. We're doing a podcast with you. What fucking melon for brains am I talking to right it's now? It's not fucking trapo chap house, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Tra- trapo trapo chap house. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome to trapo chap house. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and also uh, Dan Brown went there. Uh, wrote the Da Vinci Code. I wouldn't say um, he was. I don't mean, think he was a big partial either. No, I'm like okay, fair enough. Well, yeah, of course. All right. Here's the thing, right? Mm. You hear about these cunts. Mm. The, the, your Dan Browns and your Wynn Butlers and you go and they become rich and famous and you go well they were really you know successful with a chosen art form and then you find out they fucking started off with all money oh, it's easy it. take money and make money that's fucking it man so look I'm not saying that the art the album is necessarily like artistically worth less however I am going to put forward to you the notion that if we find out that there are a bunch of secret poshos we maybe detract some lower them down on the list a little bit to make it a bit fairer. You know what I mean? And it's just one of those things, well, it's less impressive to me. If they were a bunch of weird art school cunts yep. who became this huge band out of nowhere, that, that is more impressive. It, does, it makes it less impressive. It doesn't make the music worse, but it does make it less impressive. Absolutely. That's that's my only argument. But let's you know, settle this, right? Is it a top 500 album? Should yeah. it be placed 500, or do you think it should be placed a bit higher? We obviously have to work our way through the list, but your initial thoughts right this, now? Okay. Despite the fact 
Not only is it made by secret poshos, mm. not only is it a time-traveling concept album about COVID denial, mm-hmm. regardless of those two pieces of information, mm-hmm. I think it's a top 500 album. Uh, even though it inspired so much shite after it, and even though you know the band is a bit cringe these days, mm. um, it's a great album. You know, It makes me feel good when I listen to it. I mean, it feels like the end of the world, and it is kind of a post-apocalyptic wintery album so uh i've re- I really enjoyed listening to it this week and uh it's not even my favorite arcade fire album i probably prefer the suburbs but um yeah, yeah i dug it i'm gonna put it about i'm gonna yeah, for the moment i would say you know on artistic merit i'm gonna put it a little bit higher i'm gonna say it should be you know top 300 or so mm-hmm. but i'm okay. gonna bring it back 50 bring it back 50 to level the playing field a little bit you want it to be 350 i'm reminded of one other arcade fire incident in my upbringing mm-hmm. um, which i think sums up perfectly what you just said about them being a bit cringe and, and their output and everything um, i remember getting into a heated debate when i was 17 18 with a with a friend of mine you know that kind of six form style debate that you might find yourself getting into when Pest you're that age contest. yeah almost but like a, you know not like a a, a swaggery Dick swing kind of thing, more like a well, I'm intellectual now. Actually, I'm an adult, so I have. I think serious... that's actually worse than literally getting I, I a penis out measure. Yeah. I would agree. Um, so we were discussing. We'd read a story how when Arcade Fire were playing a gig in Nottingham, <laughs> at one at one point mid song, Wim Butler said stop to the band and turned to the audience and said, "Stop singing along. You're ruining the gig." And then people threw bottles at them and they left the stage early and said, we're never playing Nottingham again. Have they since? They actually have. I checked this. Um, That's bananas. I don't, did they actually say that? Well, perhaps, that paraphr- perhaps they were paraphrasing. <laughs> but I, I understand it to be a true story. Yeah. Um, and we had a heated debate. I was like, they're wanks. You know what I mean? You go see a band, you sing along. That's part yeah. of the fun. I've had, I've, and he I've, was I've, like, this guy was arguing. He was like, oh, I think that's great, you know. I think you know, <laughs> it's up to the musician. Uh, and we had this big um, debate about them. And I, I just wanted to bring that up after you mentioned they were cringe again. It reminded me of like, yeah, they are a bit fucking wanks, aren't they? Listen, I've done gigs in Nottingham. Have you? Where, like, as a comedian? Oh yeah, where people <laughs> sing, people sing along with jokes. No, but I've had people stand up in the crowd and try and fight me. Mm. Uh, and I'll tell you what. I went back and I played it again. Do you know why? Because I'm a wee pussy, like Win Butler, a little rich boy bitch. Fucking professional. End of the day, yeah. you're a showman. You shine your shoes, you get out there, and you entertain. You put the grease paint on your wee face, Win, and you do your turn in front of the curtain. Absolutely. I'm moving you back another 50 places, Edwin. Yeah. 400. Do you, know do you know what, Edwin? 500. They got it right. Shut they up. got it exactly right. <laughs> 500.5. You're just off the list. Win Butler? How about fucking lose Butler? <laughs> How about lose your Butler and do some fucking hard craft yourself, son? I, I can't believe the cunt's name literally has Butler in it. And you were like, I don't know if this cunt is rich. His name's Butler? <laughs> uh, listen, this has been a lot of fun. Um, so uh, let's talk about next week, okay? Um, next next week, week, we're doing 499. And it Week is, two of the 10 years Street. Yes. It's um, Rufus and Shaka Khan um, with their album, Ask Rufus. So have a listen to it over the next week and we'll be back next week with more spicy takes 
more... Uh, I can't wait. Album unpacking. Uh-huh. More fun, silly chat. Yep. We hope you have a lovely week. God bless and good day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, love you, bye! <laughs>